You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, I don't think we've ever gone a week without looking at PFF. I know we're late in the week already, but I want to very, very briefly just look at last week against the Eagles, so just so we can kind of see where everybody's at. Um, and by very brief, I'm going to try as hard as I can to mean very, very brief. And then we're going to move on because we have to start looking at the Bears. Um, I was on a show yesterday where I promised that uh, I would talk about Justin Fields just so they can get a taste of (laughs) what I'm talking about when I say he's not great. But I don't want to spend a lot of time on that either because I don't know if the guy's even playing. Um, Again, we have to turn our attention to the Bears here. So, um, again, very briefly last week, the offense clearly – better than the defense. So let's start with the defense because this was pretty catastrophic. You saw some of this news on my Twitter if you follow me. But in the entire defense, and I haven't gone back to look at this historically, but I'm guessing this is one of the worst defensive performances ever. Um, Not ever, but let's just say in Matt LaFleur's tenure here, um, Matt has gone on to say the official number of missed tackles is 22, and it's the highest since he's been here. But anyways... um, 19 players played on defense at least one snap. Three of them had good grades. Nearly four. Jair was a 68. But three of them had good grades. Rudy Ford was the only one with a great grade. 88.7 overall. TJ Slayton with a 75. Keyshawn Nixon, 73. And again, Jair with a 68. Um, Three average grades. Jair, Justin Hollins, Corey Ballantine. So, (laughs) Hollins and Ballantine. I mean, Ballantine played one snap. Hollins is brand new to the roster. So he's not one of the guys that you expect to play up to standard. Now, below average in the 50s, Kingsley Enigbari with a 58, Razul Douglas with a 56, Jonathan Garvin with a 50. That's it. Then we get down into the 40s, what I'm going to call bad. Kenny Clark, for like the seventh week in a row, is bad. Had a 23 tackling grade, a 48 run defense grade, and a 51 pass rush grade. He had one pressure and zero sacks on 31 attempts. It was a hurry. That's pathetic. On top of being terrible against the run and putrid as a tackler, Adrian Amos, who suddenly has decided he doesn't want to play football anymore with a 44 overall grade. Preston Smith with a 44 overall grade. And Darnell Savage, who apparently played one snap with a 42 overall grade. Then you get into the terrible grades in the 30s. Devontae Wyatt, 36.8. Jaron Reed, 35.3. Quay Walker, 30.7. Dean Lowry, 30.4. Then you just get into putrid with Chris Barnes at 28.9 and Isaiah McDuffie at 26.3. It's not lost on me how this once great uh, defensive coordinator always had the linebackers in good position. It's always the linebackers at the highest grades. Three of our four lowest graded players on defense were all linebackers. They just got absolutely annihilated in this. Run defense, Razul and TJ Slayton were the only ones that were good. Uh, Below a 60, Hollins, Kingsley, Garvin, Clark, Preston, Devontae Wyatt, Jaron Reed, Dean Lowry, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie, and Quay Walker. Tackling, guys that were good. 
Uh, we'll call 69 good also. Rudy Ford, Jaron Reed, Dean Lowry, Justin Hollins, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos. Um, bad, Razul, Keyshawn Nixon, Chris Barnes, Kingsley and Igbare, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, Devontae Wyatt, Darnell Savage, and the worst on the team, Kenny Clark. Pass rush, zero good grades. The highest was Rudy Ford, who didn't even rush the passer at all with a 64 overall grade. Justin Hollins was the highest, which is pathetic. No disrespect to Hollins, but that is pathetic that a guy that has come in has no experience with the team, with the system, with the scheme. Nothing comes in and is the highest performing player at the position. He had three pressures on 13 attempts, including a sack. The guys who had a below average grade, everybody. Garvin, McDuffie, Amos, Kingsley, Wyatt, Slayton, Preston, Reed, Clark, Quay, Keyshawn, Lowry, everybody. Coverage grades. Keyshawn, Quay, and Rudy Ford had good coverage grades. Notice how only one of them is a corner, and none of them are the corners that you expect to play up to a high level. Where's Jair? Where's Razul? Where's Amos? Those are the guys you expect to be the lockdown guys, and you expect them to carry guys like Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon. Nope. Keyshawn Nixon, Quay Walker, and Rudy Ford are the only three that covered well. Below average grades, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie, Razul Douglas, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos had the lowest coverage grade at 40.4. Statistics, pressures. Kingsley had four on 21 attempts. I mean, it's one of those things where the grades maybe aren't there, but I don't think much fans care all that much because he is playing fairly well seemingly, especially with the pressures. He had the highest on the team. No sacks or hits, but four hurries. Justin Hollins, Jaron Reed, and Preston Smith each had three. Hollins only had 13 attempts, however, uh, but Reed and Smith had uh, 23 and 27. All of them were above 10%, which is fine. Um, Quay Walker had two pressures on eight attempts. I guess you'll take that. Devontae Wyatt, one on eight. Still not horrible, to be honest. Uh, Garvin had one on eight, which is, again, fine. Lowry, one on 12, roughly 10%. Kenny Clark is the one absolutely just disgustingly bad that is one in 31 attempts he, he rushed the passer more than anybody on the team and he had less pressures than anybody with any sizable amount the only guys who had less which would be zero the highest amount of attempts was tj slayton with six our fifth round pick nose tackle um missed tackle percentages uh darnell savage is at 100 percent. he played one snap had one attempt and one miss uh, Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark, 50%. Isaiah McDuffie, 40%. Quay Walker, 28%. Those were the highest and with the really low tackling grades. Um, and then we'll get into coverage here. Jair was the most targeted, but only two receptions for 23 yards and a pass breakup, which is not the worst in the world. Obviously, there was the should-have-been pick, which everyone's kind of scrutinizing, and the uh, tackling and the effort and everything isn't really there. But as far as coverage, that's not the worst. Chris Barnes, five targets, five receptions, 51 yards. That sucks. Razul Douglas, five targets, three receptions, 59 yards, and two touchdowns. Good Lord. Rudy Ford, three targets, two receptions, two yards. Adrian Amos, three targets, two receptions, 19 yards. Keyshawn Nixon, two targets, two receptions, negative one yards. And that is all she wrote. Um, Pass breakups by Razul and Jair. Two touchdowns were by Razul. Looking at the offense, as I said, um, better than the defense. The only bad grade on the entire team was Tyler Davis, the guy that 
Aaron Rodgers just completely busted out and said, I never should have thrown it to that bum. <laughs> Uh, which which is rude and not what he should do, but I found it funny. Um, below average grade, Sammy Watkins, Samori Ture, and Aaron Rodgers uh, with, they were in the 50s. Average grades, Robert Tunyon, Randall Cobb, Yash Nyman, Alan Lazard, Josh Myers, and Aaron Jones. Good grades, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh, uh, Josiah DeGuara, and Mercedes Lewis. Really good grades, John Runyon, Christian Watson, Jordan Love, and then elite grade A.J. Dillon. To be honest, this is one of the better offensive performances I've seen, just from a grade standpoint. Only one bad grade, very few subpar grades. Eight out of 18 were good or better. Four out of 18 were 80 or higher, and one in the 90s. I mean, that, that, that whole spectrum there is um, really impressive. And of course, Jordan Love being the second highest, with Christian Watson being right behind him, has got to make you smile a little bit. Also, seeing Josiah up that high, finally getting the respect he deserves. Thank you, PFF, for waking up, giving the guy bad grades all the time. What is wrong with you? Um, Passing, usually it's just Aaron Rodgers, but we get to compare Rodgers and Love now. Um, Obviously, Rodgers did have more attempts. Completion percentage, very similar. Rodgers, 68.8. Love, 66.7. Yards, also surprisingly similar. Aaron Rodgers, 140 compared to Love's, 113. Yards per attempt, Jordan Love, 12.6. Aaron Rodgers, 8.8. Touchdowns, Rodgers, 2. Love, 1. Interceptions, Rodgers, 2. Love, 0. Um, overall offensive grade, 85 compared to 57. Passing grade, 83 compared to 57. Big time throw percentage, very similar. Uh, Rodgers, 12.5% of his passes, which is extremely high, were big time throws. Jordan Love, 11.1. Yes, those are small numbers, but still, you have small opportunities, so you got to give him credit for it. Turnover worthy plays. Aaron Rodgers had two, which is 10.5% of his passes. Jordan Love had zero. So not only did he not throw a pick, he didn't have any turnover worthy plays. Average depth of target, Jordan Love 11.4, Rodgers 7.2. Adjusted completion percentage, uh, Aaron Rodgers 81.3, Jordan Love 77.8. What else is interesting here? Uh, Time to throw, Jordan Love 2.82, Rodgers 2.54. So that's something to keep an eye on with Jordan Love. Obviously, he was extending the plays on several of those, which is completely fine. But one of the things you worry about, or I worry about with Love, is... Teams are going to be blitzing a lot, and he's probably not going to have a lot of time. And quarterbacks that hold the ball for a long time tend to be quarterbacks that take a lot of sacks. You get all the excuses, you know, Justin Fields and whatnot about, well, you know, it's not fair because the offensive line sucks. He's got all these sacks. Well, a lot of the sacks are his own fault. And so, you know, Jordan Love ideally is going to need to get that 2.82 down closer to where Rodgers is at 2.54. First downs, Aaron Rodgers 8, Jordan Love 4, passer rating, Jordan Love 2. 146.8, Aaron Rodgers, 95.8. Looking at under pressure, Aaron Rodgers was uh, three of six, or excuse me, two of three on six dropbacks. I was reading the wrong columns. Two of three, 20 yards, a touchdown and a pick, 54 overall grade. Jordan Love was 0 for two, and that's all, 44 overall grade. So Jordan Love was, in that limited sample, worse under pressure. However, if you say, well, how did he have a 44 overall grade but such a good grade? In in a clean pocket, which was 77%, he had a 93.5 overall grade. Also worth noting, again, the fear is what happens when teams blitz Jordan Love. That's what the Chiefs did, and he looked terrible. And we can see here, he looks terrible under pressure, right? You know how often he was blitzed? What percentage? Zero percent. He wasn't blitzed once. So you ramp up the blitzing, you ramp up the pressure, he doesn't perform as well. I'm just saying... 
That's going to be the big test. How does he perform under pressure? Uh, receiving, A.J. Dillon actually had the highest receiving grade, 88.9, Watson 83.4. Don't really need to get into a ton of other stuff. Uh, yards per route run, though, Christian Watson 4.4, which is just insane. A.J. Dillon 267, Aaron Jones two, also 267, and then it's down from there, 112, 105, and then below 1 and whatnot. Rushing grades, A.J. Dillon with a 79, Aaron Jones with a 65, Yards after contact per attempt, A.J. Dillon 3.88, Aaron Jones 1.83. They each had one missed tackle forced. Longest carries, Dillon 20, Jones 10. Uh, A.J. Dillon had three carries, 10 yards or more, Jones had one. Um, First downs, Dillon three, Jones two. That's about it for that. That's interesting anyways. And then one of my favorites is the blocking uh, because the offensive line has been kind of a point of contention and, and it is also sort of an underrated aspect of the offense evolving. I said, you know, with the run game and Christian Watson, that's going to help open things up. Well, that all is contingent on the offensive line. The better they block in the pass game, that's going to help the pass game. The better they block in the run game, that's going to make sure that we have the run game so that we can open up the pass game with, in addition to additional better pass blocking, it all just comes together into a much better overall offense. Left tackle, David Bakhtiari, 80.4 pass blocking grade. He did have a 61.8 run blocking grade, which is surprisingly low. He's usually pretty solid with that, but still, again, great pass blocking. Elton Jenkins, who has been struggling all year, last week, he had his first, uh, no, the last two weeks. No, 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 last week. So last week, he had his really first promising grade with a 90 pass blocking grade, however, a 51.9 run blocking grade. Um, This week, 71.1 run blocking, 74.5 pass blocking. That's sort of the old Elton Jenkins, right? We're, we're kind of seeing glimmers a little bit more. There's still bad games, right? It was uh, week five against the Giants was great across the board. Week six was one of two. Week seven, bad across the board. Week nine, good across the board. Week 10, bad across the board. Week 11, real good pass blocking, bad run blocking. Week 12, good. So we just we just need the consistency. It's like good, bad, one of two. Good, bad, one of two. Just... I'll take 70s. Just be consistent as a run and pass blocker. That's the thing. Um, Center, Josh Myers, 69 run blocking, 59 pass blocking. Obviously, you would prefer the pass blocking to be a little better, but I'll take it. Josh Myers has been struggling, especially, I think, as as a run blocker. So to see that, I haven't watched it personally, but that's good to see. John Runyon, uh, we know his thing. He's a good pass blocker, putrid run blocker. He actually graded out higher and run blocking this past week, 78 overall compared to pass blocking, 75, 74-5. Um, might just be because it's not a great you know, run defense defense, but uh, still, love to see it. And then Yash Nyman, 59 pass blocking, obviously not what you want, but a 76 run blocking. So everybody did well in something. Everybody did a good, and nobody was terrible in anything, I don't think. Uh, 59 pass blocking by Yash. 59 pass blocking by Myers, and that's about it. Everybody else was 60s, 70s, 80s across the board. So it's coming together with the offensive line, which is fantastic. Special teams, again, underrated. I know a lot of people, well, you know, we still have this terrible special teams. I don't know what you're looking at. I know there are still, like, disasters occasionally, but this is clearly an improved unit. Um, only a couple guys, like, the, the there's two guys at, with a 52, Justin Hollins and Patrick Taylor. Um, so not a catastrophic, you know, no 40s, 30s, whatever. However, there was several good, again, remember, 
going back, looking at this over several years, usually Packers special teams, you got one guy at about a 68, and that's our best player. Everyone else is like 60s. One dude who really shines is like a 68. Jonathan Garvin had a 68, but above him, Isaiah McDuffie with a 73, Tariq Carpenter, 73, Eric Wilson, 76. He's I think Tariq and Eric Wilson the last couple weeks have been on point. The highest graded, Josiah DeGuara, 89.4 overall grade. The guys that made tackles, Corey Ballantine, Tariq Carpenter, Dallin Levitt, Innes Gaines, and Eric Wilson all each had one. Zero missed tackles on special teams. That is crazy stupid. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing, as much as that sounds like a bad thing. And then kick return, Keyshawn Nixon with an 83 overall grade, which is rare to see for a returner. Five returns, 172 yards. 53 yards was his longest, 34.4 yard average. Remember, I've always said 25 is sort of the standard. If you're sub 25, you're 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 a liability. If you're at or around 25, then it's like okay, well you're you're going to get us to about where the kick return, which is fine. You know, I mean, if they the the point is if they kick it to the one, are you a liability? Because we've had that in Green Bay, where where every kicker just kicked it to the one or as close as they could because they knew we're not going to get to the 25. But a 34.4 average. What is his career average right now, or for the season, I should say? Right now, he's he's up to 24.5. He got off to a, he's had a pretty, so Buffalo really hurt his, his average. He had a 16.8 average in there. But remember one of the other things I said about Nixon is it's not about every single time. It's the fact that he has some big ones. So he averaged 32 against the Jets. He averaged 33 against Detroit and he averaged 34 against Philadelphia. His longest returns have been 32, 33, 32, and now 53. So it's just the fact that he has that ability. It's not that he isn't going to have a couple bad. He's already muffed one in the end zone. He's had some shorter returns, but it's just that he has the ability to give us that advantage that we just have never or haven't really had in a long time. A little bit with Trevor Davis, but Trevor Davis was like a mix of Keyshawn Nixon and Amari. Every time he kicked it to him, there was there was like a 20% chance he was going to drop it, a 20% chance he was going to have a big return, and then the rest was just, you know, whatever. So anyways, that's a look into the passed a little bit with PFF. I think I did that pretty well. Usually that's a full episode. 17 minutes is pretty good. 18. Tell you what, why don't we just take an early break so we can just kind of have a hard stop and then we'll move on to other things. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast directly, it would be greatly appreciated. Also, please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Thank you to everybody that has done that. If you'd like to learn more about Fertile Ground Ranch, you can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. Or you can just follow the link pinned to the top of my Twitter. It takes you right to their uh, donation page. I'll say the same thing about their ministry as I have said about my Patreon. If everybody listening just gave $1 a month to Fertile Ground Ranch, if you just made that decision, I'm just going to give a buck a month, you can do recurring payments. That would be life-changing, not just for, obviously, the ministry, but for all the people that are going to be going there. People that, again, are out of prison, homeless, people that need a place to stay, need work. It really is going to be life-changing for several people. And again, if everybody listening gave $1, you'd be a big part of that. So please consider it. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So this isn't really related to anything as far as anything Packers related or whatever, but this is uh, one of the more interesting and funny stories I think I've heard kind of ever. Uh, Pat Mahomes talking about his draft process, and there are two different points in here that are, I mean, either one of them standing by themselves is an incredible story, but um, having both of them at the same time is like, wow. It's, uh, especially when you consider the the implications. If, if one little thing had gone slightly differently, how that would have changed the trajectory of everything. But this is Pat Mahomes talking about his draft process. The first day that I met Coach Reed was at the facility. We had like the uh, meetings, like the top 30 visits. So I was in there for like five hours. Just He's just going grilled. through plays, going through plays. And uh, I'm going to give you all the inside scoop. Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator then, he really liked me. So he gave me the plays they were going to go over the night before. So Coach Reed's finding out here live on New Heights podcast. Oh, my gosh. Matt <laughs> Nagy. <laughs> How could you? Let's go. And yeah, so of course I crushed the meeting. I stayed up all night studying those plays. It's like, man, this kid is locked in. We got ourselves a winner here. <laughs> As the process went on, I got a feeling that I was kind of going up in the draft. I had a couple of teams that said they were going to draft me, and I mean, that's true. Like, It's not like these coaches are making that up. I talked to them. Uh, during the draft process, and they were like, hey, if you're there, we're going we're gonna to take you. I kind of gave a little inside info to the, the Chiefs, and I was like, hey, if y'all let me go anywhere below. At the time, I didn't know about the Saints, but I was like, if y'all let me go 12 or below, I'm going to get drafted by someone else. You drafted yourself? And so I gave the Chiefs a little, bit of, in, a, little bit of, a little bit of info on that because I wanted to be here. Let's go! If that isn't the craziest thing, first of all, I would be furious if I was kind of it makes me wonder who's making the draft decisions over there in uh, Kansas City if we're talking about Andy Reid. But um, but no, I mean, if I was, and, and that whole staff is gone now with Dorsey and the crew, but um, if I was the personnel person, I would be pretty furious if I found out that my decisions are being altered by one of my coaches. Even if it panned out, it's like, how, how, uh, how many times you, first of all, you're just not invited to these meetings anymore. You're just not coming. Like, we'll show you the tape of guys, uh, or, or you can be there, but I'm not telling you the plays or whatever. I, I, that's crazy, but it panned out. And it's crazy to think that this entire, everything about the Kansas city chiefs, imagine being a Kansas city chiefs fan and you find out Matt Nagy who left the organization. I think he's back now. I'm not sure, but how much would you love that guy? He's the reason for everything that you have right now. He's the one that scouted Pat Mahomes and said, this is the guy that needs to be here. And then on top of that, you got uh, Pat Mahomes really wants to be a chief, and I can't even imagine why. I mean, now you look at it and go, well, obviously. Well, it wasn't obvious until he got there. The Chiefs have been garbage for a long time. Imagine being Pat Mahomes and, and thinking, yeah, that's where I want to be. The other interesting thing, though, is he said, um, if you let me go, what did he say, past 12, there are teams that are going to take me. Who are those teams? He said he wasn't sure about the Saints. The Saints were sitting at 11, and they actually jumped the Saints just to be safe, I guess. But past 12, you got who? You got the Arizona Cardinals who played with Carson Palmer primarily. And Carson Palmer, Blaine Gabbert, and Drew Stanton were their 
Um, quarterbacks. Again, if I'm a Cardinals fan, I am pissed right now, especially considering the drama that's going on with their quarterback who's just not performing. That he he got word that maybe the Cardinals were interested and um, we're going to go that route. And he's like, nah, I'm going to call the Chiefs and get me out of this. Philadelphia was shortly after that. Now, Philadelphia is doing fine now, but that was still in the Carson Wentz era. Maybe Carson was still a good quarterback, so they weren't interested. I don't know if that was one of the teams. Um, the Colts. The Colts had Jacoby Brissett and Scott Tolzien that year. They had pick 15. The Ravens. Um, Tyrod Taylor. No, 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 no. Uh, Joe Flacco and Ryan Mallett. Washington had Kirk Cousins at the time. Tennessee with Marcus Mariota. I mean, pretty much every team going down the line, you could look at and say, yeah, probably that team. Uh, Tampa Bay with Jameis. I don't know if they were, they probably weren't done with Jameis yet. That was still pretty early. Carson Wentz, Jameis, all those guys probably didn't realize they were ready to move on quite yet. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's just a, a ton of teams in that range that are certainly looking for quarterbacks. It's wild to me that stuff like that would go on. And it kind of makes you wonder a little bit about the Packers, if anything, like any kind of shenanigans <laughs> like that have ever taken place. I should ask, uh, I'm going to tweet Brandt and see if he has any similar stories. Or Andrew Brandt. I keep getting Kyle and Andrew mixed up. Anyways, we'll see if he responds. Um, I just want to say this real quick. I, I First of all, shout out to whoever it was that asked me about going through the stats of Christian Watson, because I tweeted out what I found with the touchdowns. That tweet is blowing up. Um, Andrew Brandt actually retweeted it, which is why I thought of him. But uh, anyways, I, I, I just got to say, and I've, I've been critical of overly positive and overly negative fans, but I, I am... It is so obnoxious to me. I understand if you're a Bears or Vikings or Lions or any other kind of fan, you, you want to come in and just throw a little jab at, at the tweet. Here, here's the tweet, by the way. Team touchdowns by rookie receivers. Washington, four, Tennessee, one, San Francisco. Uh, da, 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 da. All the way down, Green Bay has 11. The second highest is five. So the point is, our rookie receivers are having the biggest impact of any class of, of rookie receivers, right? That's what we want. You want the instant impact. So, you know, I mean, you, you can do a lot of things with this data. What I don't like, first of all, is people trying to imply what I'm implying and then say, show, saying why I'm wrong. I mean, straw man nonsense, right? I didn't say any of this stuff. Here's the data. You can do a lot of different things with it. You can say, see, this proves uh, we should have gone out and got wide receivers. I was right to say, go get a wide receiver, right? You can do that with this information. You could say, imagine if we had Devontae. You can do a lot of different stuff. We've had a lot of people come in and say, oh, I thought you needed a first-round wide receiver because we don't have one, and look at the production. You can do and infer a lot of different pieces of information from this. But the lengths people will go, especially Packer fans, to try to make this a negative thing when it very clearly is not negative. It can be a lot of different things and mean a lot of different things, but it's not a negative thing. I know that. I had somebody just point out on here, so what you're saying is we don't have any veteran talent. First of all, again, I'm not saying that or really anything else. I think the data stands on its own merit, and we don't need to dig in and say, well, it sounds like you're implying this, which isn't true because of this, therefore you're wrong. It's just, it's so stupid. But the fact that everybody has been begging and begging and begging and begging and begging and freaking begging to get wide receivers in here in the hopes that they would come in and have an instant impact, we did it, we went out and got them, 
Gutekunst went out and found some of the most productive talent in all of the draft by far. Christian Watson in his production has been incredible among early round rookies. Romeo Dobbs has been unbelievably impressive among mid-round talent, and Samori Turi has been impressive based on his late-round standings. Brian Gutekunst knocked all three out of the park, as far as I can tell, up through this point in the process, especially given the lack of opportunities based on injuries or other things, like just being further down the death chart. We've been asking for this forever. And to now use that as an opportunity to say, well, now our our veterans suck because they're not up there. There is no making some people happy. Everything will always be a negative no matter what. If the veterans were getting all of the touchdowns, what would the narrative be? The rookies suck. The rookies are getting the touchdowns and now the veterans suck. Is there any way to make people happy at all? Isn't that a good thing? That the young talent is emerging wasn't the problem all along that Lazard and those guys were not at the talent level that we needed and we were hoping to go out and find some talent and we just went out and we got some guys and they're doing a great job and the takeaway is, wow, these veterans suck. What would you prefer in this situation? You would rather Lazard be getting all the all, all the, the touchdowns or, or Randall Cobb, who, by the way, is having a fine year. Is that your preference? Of course it's not your preference. You just want to say things that are negative because you're a douchebag. The amount of people that, first of all, have these biases, they they don't like this because it implies... That's what this whole Aaron Rodgers thing is about. I can recognize these things because I know what marital fights look like. There's always something much deeper behind it or or the implication. It's, It's... well, you said this, which means this, and 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 if that's true, then that 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 and you get into this this whole big implication thing. This makes people upset because it makes Gutekunst look good, or it makes you know people. There's the Pickens over Watson crowd, or there's there's all these different people who have these their own little battles going on, and they see this and it annoys them, so they say stupid crap. Stop letting those those biases drive you to say stupid things. Don't do that. Allow good things to just be good things and fight those battles on their own front. You don't need to come over here and trash your own team simply for the sake of of something that you've got going on on your own. Or God forbid anything looks positive for Brian Gutekunst because you just hate the guy no matter what. Which, by the way, if you hate him no matter what and you spin everything to be negative, maybe you should look introspectively at yourself because it's entirely possible that he's not as bad as you think it is just based on the very fact that you spin everything negative. So, of course, everything looks negative because you're an idiot. Pat Mahomes is a trash quarterback. You know how I know? Because every single time a stat comes out that's positive, I spin it negative. And so everything I see about Pat Mahomes is negative, and it turns out in my brain, every single thing he does is bad. Every stat of Pat Mahomes is bad. Every single thing about Josh Allen is trash because I spin everything negative. Rather than just taking it at face value, maybe if you just took things at face value, you wouldn't think everybody sucks so much. This is why when you just put basic information out there, you get hit from so many weird angles. Because people presuppose what they want to be true, and then all the information is filtered through that. That's, that's where the Aaron Rodgers things comes in. There are some people who say, I love Rodgers and everything he does is great. And some people say, I hate Rodgers and everything he does is terrible. And so every stat then just gets filtered through that. People that don't like Rodgers see all the stats as being negative. People that love Rodgers see all his stats as being positive. So everything is always good. So the pro Rodgers people think he's having the greatest year ever, and this is the greatest thing, and every throw is wonderful, and everything everything bad is everybody else's fault. 
And the anti-Rodgers people think everything bad is his fault and all the stats are terrible. And it's just like, it's two completely opposite realities that are just being made up because I'm not just looking at the stats for what they are and saying, this is good and this is bad and this is good and this is bad. And just having a checklist of here's all the goods and here's all the bads. And here's my overall summary of the situation, like a normal, rational human being. No, I'm building out my own reality based on what I want to be true to begin with. So what you're saying is our veterans are bad. No. What I said is Green Bay has 11 touchdowns from their rookie receivers as compared to the rest of the league and what their rookie receivers have done. And people will just chase, like, well, well, that's not true because of this. No, here's some info. Well, oh, well what about this? Well, what about this? And, th- and then they try to say that they're being objective. Well, I'm just being objective. No, you're not. You're reaching as hard as you possibly can to discredit this for some reason that I'll never understand. I don't know why, but something behind this offended you, and you're trying to tear it down, and you're failing. Well, that's because of the the amount of opportunities. Nope. All three of them combined have about as many opportunities as George Pickens by himself. Well, that's because George Pickens has a bad quarterback. Okay, well, you're changing the subject, first of all, but if you want to admit you were wrong there, we can talk about a second issue of quarterbacks. First of all, Rodgers isn't playing very well. He has a broken thumb. Second of all, Sky Moore plays for the Chiefs. There are a lot of players playing with good quarterbacks that are not doing very well. Well, it's because the Packers don't have anybody else to throw to. Okay, that's not true. Um... Dobbs has been out most of the year. Samori has been way down the depth chart for the entire year. Christian Watson just became like a number one, number two, number three-ish guy in the last three weeks. Lazard and Cobb have been the premier wide receivers on this team all year long. Beyond that, again, look at guys like Chris Olave, Drake London. There are other receivers who are premier number one, number two wide receivers on their team, and they don't have this production. Or we can just look at it from this standpoint. And I did the math because people are so just, we have to tear this down. It doesn't fit what I want to be true. It's pro Packers. It's positive toward the Packers. It's just positive in general. And I hate positivity. It's positive towards Gutekunst. It's positive toward the rookies. Something about this offends me and I have to tear it down. Basic mathematics. I look at the total touchdowns among rookies, the total routes rung by rookies. It's right at about 1%. of the routes run end in touchdowns across all rookies this season. If you apply 1%, to the routes run by Packers receivers, there should be about four and a half touchdowns. We have 10. I know I said 11. One of them is a rushing touchdown, but we're talking about routes, so we're talking about receiving touchdowns. It's still 10. There's too many words in there to, to put that on Twitter when I did that, but I figured somebody called me out on it. So it's still well above and beyond expectation, which should be obvious just by looking at this. Even if there's more opportunities, it's more than double the number two team. And you know about the injuries, and you know Samori Turi's hardly playing at all, so why are you pretending that you think that that's a factor other than you just want to tear it down to tear it down? Again, this is where being a realistic fan and being a negative fan, which... Again, I, I, I have to agree with a lot of the positive folks. There's no such thing as a negative fan. I don't think that there is. What does it mean to be a fan of something? You like that thing. If you're constantly just tearing it down, always, I don't think you're a fan of it. I mean, it, it, it's one thing if I posted a stat that was distorting things, right? I've talked a lot about how If you see, you know, looking at this player from 2014, 15, and 19, weeks 1, 2, 7, and 9, he's got the highest pressure rate in the entire NFL. That's stupid. If I say flat out, the Packers rookie receivers 
have produced 11 touchdowns as opposed to everybody else's. That's still a stat that stands on its own. If you want to look deeper into it, you can. But I'm not providing any guard. Again, who has gotten the most production out of rookies? Well, they've, they drafted three. Most teams didn't. That's, first of all, still irrelevant. Nobody asked you to draft a safety. So by itself, who got the most production in terms of offensive production out of the draft is the Packers. That alone could be the stat that it stands, you know, it stands on its own with that information. Again, I didn't say on a per snap basis. I just presented this. You do your your own information. Saying that I'm implying something that's untrue is silly. I didn't imply anything. It's a statistic. You're smart enough to figure out what to do with it. Go have fun with it. However, you got, for example, um, somebody who's accusing me of this said, Packers rookie receivers have 12.4% of rookie routes in the NFL, while the Packers make up 3.1% of teams in the league, grossly disproportionate to league average, which must be acknowledged. Statistics like these can be painted to say whatever you want them to say. Right. You can paint it however you want to paint it. I didn't say anything with it. However, if you want to play that game, it still stands on its own. They've run 12.4% of rookie routes in the NFL. How many touchdowns do they have? They have 28%. He omitted that. Why did he omit that? I don't know. Oh, look, somebody tweeted me. Greetings, you have this message. You are one of the winners in our contest. You won 0.577 BTC, which is $9,835.28. Your promo code is JKPD389. You can read further instructions in this tweet. Wow. I'm pretty sure that Bitcoin is going to be about 48 cents pretty soon, but that's great news. Has anybody else been receiving a ton of spam lately? I don't know if that's a uh, an Elon Musk thing or what, but it is insane the amount of spam. I've been, I, I never got spam, ever. Um, I'm just going to say that that was disrespectful. and I'm, I'm, I, I've, I've gone from calling it spam to just reporting people. I'm just going to say that he touched me inappropriately because I'm tired of it. But I, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. If you have to build a straw man, literally what you're doing, you're building an argument that I didn't make so that you can tear it down. The question I have for you is why do you feel the need to tear it down? Because you're not, you're not tearing down anything I said because I didn't say anything. Something about this has upset you, and I don't know what that is, but I think you should try to look at that introspectively. You're seeing a positive stat that has no implication other than whatever you want to make of it. And it upsets you for some reason. As a Packer fan, you need to figure out what that is. Because it's kind of pathetic. It's hilarious. The person that wrote that last thing, his response to me saying, and they've scored 28%, is, which tells us most teams playing rookies have trusted veterans on their roster getting the balls near the end zone and aren't relying on their rookies for that production while working on their development. That entire thing is made up. He made that up off the top of his head. Why? You see what I'm saying? The, the, the determination to tear this down is unbelievable. He just made up a paragraph out of thin air. There's no data. That, that's not based on anything whatsoever. Most teams are just planning to try not to, because they're developing their guys, they don't want to put them on in goal line situations. That doesn't make any sense. And how many of these touchdowns have even been on goal line situations? A lot of them have been deep shots. Samore Ture was a deep touchdown. Christian Watson's have been deep touchdowns. I mean, th- these are not at the five-yard line. Maybe a couple of them. This is just made up nonsense because we just refuse to accept basic information. Why why are we doing this? I don't get it. I, I, I just don't understand it. If you want to present a correction to what I said, please do so. But not, notice out of how many people have, have uh, let's see, it's got 1,600 likes, 33 comments. 
Who knows how many thousands of people have glanced at it. Not one person has offered a correction. The only person who tried to offer a correction was somebody mentioning that a running back wasn't on the list, which I promptly reminded them that this is for receivers, not running backs. So nobody even disputes the the data, but everybody wants to argue with it. Why? And again, I, I get it if you're a Bears fan or a Vikings fan, I'm assuming you was a Vikings fan, said hang the banner as like a shot at, you know, hey, you guys always tease us with, all right, fair enough, you, you, you got me there. Again, I'm not implying anything necessarily, but it's, it's still a positive stat. So yeah, hang the banner, that's a good one, got me. Why would a Packer fan be mad at this? I don't get that. Somebody else complaining our whole season relied on rookies. First of all, that's not true. That's not even a third of our total touchdowns. It's not true that our season depends on rookies. The point has more to do with the fact that most rookies are not making an impact around the league, but ours are. But again, it's a freaking positive. Even if our entire season was being propped up by rookies, why in the world as a Packer fan would you be upset by that? The brightest part of our team is our rookie class? That upsets you? But no, you just want to argue about it. Anyways, we'll get off that. I, I just I just, I just, just want to make it clear. Because, uh, again, there, there's there's different fan how you want a fan kind of thing. And I do think a lot of people get lumped into the negative fan category that are, that are you know, there are the, the realist people out there who come across as negative because sometimes what's real is negative. And that's just the reality. And painting everybody that has a real opinion as being negative is stupid. There are also, as was pointed out, futurists, which people that tend to be probably more so worried about the future or at least heavily invested in the future because it's super important um, and tend to lean that way and maybe jump ship that way a little bit too soon. But again, futurists are people that care about the future of the Packers, right? I'm not concerned about what happens against the Bears this week because I'm more concerned about the next five years and want the Packers to dominate for the next five years, that kind of a thing. But there are a cat and, and I there was a guy I called Mr. Negative. Haven't talked to him in a long time, but he was just negative. He just, it's what he liked to do. He liked to come out and just trash everybody, everything all the time. He just liked to fight, liked to be angry. And it's just, there, there's a lot, of, and I, I just, I don't get it. And it's, it's so anti-rational. It's, it's meant to be portrayed as being, ra- it's so anti-rational. It doesn't matter how many stats you throw up at them. 95% of the things they say can easily be refuted by statistics or data of any kind. And they just move the goalpost and find something else. Because the point is, they want to find reasons to be angry and hateful toward the team, toward a player, toward whatever. And that's stupid. Don't do that. Anyways, yesterday we played some clips um, from Darius Slay talking about Jordan Love. It was kind of in rhythm with, you know, Aaron Rodgers had mentioned Jordan Love. And so we, we switched it over to a couple other people talking about Jordan Love. But um, Slay said more than just that. And he had a little snippet here about Christian Watson that I wanted to mention, because for every reason I got excited about what he said about Jordan Love, I'm also very excited about what's being said about Christian Watson, who's also beginning to get some national recognition um, and just general recognition. Again, what, what Rodgers said yesterday in regards to the way he said what he said was very encouraging. But here's what Darius Slay had to say about, and again, remember, he's not some old, washed-up, has-been player who's watching from afar, giving his expert opinion that's better than everybody else's. He was on the field covering Watson. (laughs) He said this like a day after specifically, physically covering the guy. As soon as it loads up. Come on now, you're ruining my flow. Boy, been catching like it ain't nothing. I'm talking about... (laughs) <laughs> man, 
They say he was fast. He caught the, the little slant. I see how fast he is. Buddy outran angles. When you outrun angles, you fast, fast. He outran some angles. It's like he ran the 200. Straighten up. We got around the curve and straighten up. Like, start tilting his head back a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, damn. That boy, the kid fast. I lined up on press one time. I probably should have got a holding call because I grabbed his shirt. Because, like, Buddy was running too damn fast. I said, slow the f down, road runner. Slow the f down. Can't be running this damn fast right now. Slow down. But Buddy was Buddy was going crazy. Buddy was going crazy. He he gonna be a nice kid, man. He gonna be good. When A-Rod got the trust in the film now, like I told y'all last week, when A-Rod start trusting folks, he gave you the ball. And you can see that he's growing to trust him because he made a crux fourth down play for him. It was fourth and four. Damn, fourth and four, like, call it ball across the middle. Praying for my boy Chauncey with the hit he put on him, man, you know, hurt himself. But, you know, he's doing well. We know we had to pray for him last night. But caught the ball through traffic with Chauncey and all the boys hitting him. Big down, fourth down, stop. Big time, fourth down, good for them. Big play. That's a very, very big play for him. And like I said, that shows that A-Rod trust him. So, my so it's kind of hard, hard to understand because Slay talks in, like, texting language you know like if you could if you could just say out loud what a text says it's all like half sentences and i don't know emojis i guess but he's obviously talking about his speed and and first of all the line that he's outrunning angles is is what's really impressive about it because it kind of flies under the radar a little bit just how impressive that was you know if there have been a lot of times i've looked at it and said whoop de doo it was a pass to a wide open guy who ran in for a touchdown the difference is there are only a handful of players that would have gotten a touchdown out of that. I mean, it's it's basic geometry. The fastest way between two points is what? It's a straight line. Well, these guys are running straight lines, and, and Watson is running a big, looping, curved line, and he got there faster, which is to say he covered a lot more distance in a quicker amount of time than the defenders did, who ran a much shorter distance. But then again, to have him talk about being in man coverage and saying, I got away with a hold and I just had to hold him because he's, he's running too fast. Like, and that's the thing. He knows he's fast. I remember that with Jordy Nelson. Uh, it was kind of a, a running joke with Jordy because the defenders would flat out say, I just didn't expect him to be that fast because he's white. Nobody knew it. Just some big, tall white dude out there. You didn't think he was that fast. And he would just fly by guys. And eventually the league kind of caught on. Everybody knows Watson's fast. That's his whole thing. He's a speed guy. Even knowing that, he was blown away like, dude, that's crazy. Like, you need to chill out. There's a difference between fast and fast, fast. And what I'm saying is, he's fast, fast. That's what I've been trying to say with this whole MVS thing. You know, it's not just 40 time. There's, there's, okay, fine, you did that, but can you do that on an NFL football field? Usually the answer is no. Usually I see the guys who run, you know, low 4-4s, four 4-3s, four whatever, and, you know, they're usually just covered. They're not open. They're, just, they're not running past people. That's why I got so excited week one when I saw that. And again, the whole GPS 23 mile an hour thing, which again is very, very rare that guys can reach that, that peak speed of 23. Anyways, let's quick hit some uh, details that have emerged over the last couple days. Uh, the Packers did wave Jonathan Abrams, so that didn't really last. Uh, kind of reminds me of the, who's the linebacker we got, Smith, last year. I don't remember his first name, but we picked him up. He's, he's one of those early round, you're like, there's a lot of talent in there. Maybe we can get it out of him. That quickly be, turns into like, nope, we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't get it out of him. So it just, it wasn't a thing. He wasn't getting it. And, you know, c credit to the Packers for trying. 
you definitely want to see if they, especially with the success that they've had over the last uh, several years of, of being that place where guys can find their talents and emerge. Imagine if you did that with some of these early round, high upside players. We just haven't really been able to do that. Um, in addition, Dean Lowry had his contract restructured. They uh, converted $1.5 million in base salary to signing bonus, which created $1.1 million in cap space. Ken Ingles commented on that. He said, interesting timing here. The Packers don't really need any more cap space for this season. Wondering if they're working on an extension for somebody else and need the additional space to fit a signing bonus under their cap this year. So could take some time to speculate as to who that might be. I don't know what the plan is or why they would have done that. But uh, we haven't seen anything quite yet, and I don't really have any thoughts at this time as to who that might be. I mean, a couple things come to mind, but I, I haven't fully fleshed it out. Um, Packers injury report, nothing super shocking on there. Um, Savage is hurt, Rodgers is hurt, Elton Jenkins is hurt, and uh, David Bakhtiari is hurt. As far as I know, there's nothing really... I mean, as far as those guys, I mean, maybe Savage, I don't know what his situation is. Uh, might not play. I don't know that too many people would be too concerned, but as far as Rodgers, Elton, and Bakhtiari, um, I, I think the assumption is they're going to play and they're going to be okay. Um, at least with Rodgers, we've been all but told that explicitly by Aaron Rodgers. And we've seen this with Elton and Bakhtiari with their uh, knee injuries, but they continue to play. So assuming that they're going to be okay. Bears are dealing with a ton of injuries. Larry Borum didn't practice. I'm just looking at Wednesday. Uh, Larry Borum did not practice. Jaquan Brisker, concussion. Uh, Kyler Gordon, concussion. Dante Pettis with an illness didn't participate. Riley Reef with a back injury didn't participate. Trevor Simeon with an oblique injury did not participate. Um, and then Chase Claypool, Justin Fields, and Kendall Vildor were all limited participation. Uh, Claypool with a knee Fields with his shoulder, Kendall Vildor with his ankle. There are going to be several people out that, uh, I mean, some of them for the year, but several people that are out. So they're they're pretty depleted over there. They're dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, Christian Watson did win Rookie of the Month. Not a huge surprise, um, but it's good to see that he did get it. It's nice to see the recognition. Again, it's just just one of those little things as we, as we cup along. That's one of the biggest things, like with the people arguing with the stat is, you know, it's still a positive stat. Even if you say, as a lot of people did, well, it's because our, our veterans are so bad. Okay, but that doesn't automatically mean Christian Watson's going to go get six touchdowns, right? Why did Amari get cut? Because he wasn't good enough to go out and catch passes, period. Um, you know, why is there such a discrepancy between Watson and Dobbs and, and Ture? Christian Watson, this is, people trying to dismiss Watson, is, is especially Packer fans, pathetic. The idea that, well, it's just because Lazard is so bad. No, it's not. Rodgers, and, and Randall Cobb is having a great year, as I've said. Lazard is not doing terribly, and Rodgers loves both of those guys, and he trusts them implicitly. The idea that, well, he just doesn't trust them, doesn't like them, and they're forcing him out there, fine. You can force Watson out there, but why is he getting more targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns? Recently, anyways. Why, why is that happening? It has to happen only if Christian Watson is capable of doing, I mean, early in the season, we had the same receivers. He wasn't getting the ball. Why? Because he wasn't doing a good enough job. You still have to be able to go out and produce. 
He is going out and earning everything that he's gotten. He's going out there and beating these guys. He's winning with speed. He's catching the passes. I mean, and, and if you just look at the actual passes he caught to try to dismiss it as he only did that because Lazard is trash is such a BS way to look at things. He caught a 50-50 ball over the top of somebody's head in the corner of the end zone because Lazard is bad? That's your summation of what Christian Watson is able to do? Again, one of, one of what, three, four, five guys that could have gotten a touchdown on that pass from Jordan Love? And, we're, and rather than just give him credit and say, what he's doing, what he did is remarkable, we got to say it doesn't mean anything. The only reason he's even getting the opportunities is because that our guys are bad. And if we had, oh, I don't know, the, the uh, wide receiver core that the Falcons have or that the Saints have or that uh, any of these other, like the Bears, you know, Valus Jones, the only reason he isn't doing anything right now is because the Bears are just stacked with wide receivers. The only reason Drake London doesn't have as many touchdowns is because they're so loaded at the wide receiver position, he just hasn't gotten opportunities. The reason George Pickens has not really been able to get as many touchdowns, at least, um, is simply because he's so buried on the depth chart with all just the premier elite uh, wide receiver talent that they have. Washington, loaded. Tennessee, loaded. Everybody's just so loaded with wide receivers that obviously they're just getting buried, and that's the reason it's happening. You know, the, the Chiefs, you can't really expect Sky Moore to get a lot of opportunities when Marquez Valdez-Scantling is on the team. I mean, you know, he's like number five or six on the depth chart. Obviously, it's just because they're so loaded at the position and the Packers are so weak and pathetic. And again, it's just the desire, the constant desire to paint the Packers as uniquely garbage without any real context, which is usually what the, and I know I'm going down this path again, Usually what the negative fans do is to pretend that the Packers are uniquely uh, bad without having any context of how bad other teams are struggling. Oh yeah, look how bad our wide receivers are. How bad are the other wide receivers? Well, I don't know. I didn't look. Exactly. Well, they're better than what we have. How do you know? Did you look? No. Still? No, still haven't. You just know because you know, because you just have a magical brain that just tells you, and you got like a Google brain. You got that Neuralink thing going on. Elon Musk directly downloaded Google into your brain and you just know stuff, which technically you did still look it up, but we don't need to go too far into that. No, don't take that from him. Don't take that from Watson. He has earned this. We have seen, how many times have we seen guys come in here and fail? And for us to treat Watson as though it's just automatic because of Rodgers, because of the lack of talent. And, and by the way, even if Devontae was here, people these, these same people would say the exact same thing. Look at the other competition that they have. There's Devontae and nobody obviously he's going to get all the attention. Obviously he's going to get all those touchdowns. Or they'd go the other they'd go the other route. All the attention is being drawn to Devontae, so obviously he's going to get... It doesn't... This is the point. It doesn't matter the situation. They're going to find reasons to, to say stupid crap. Don't take it from them. And I know 97% of Packer fans are more than happy to praise Christian Watson and be happy for him and be excited for the Packers because of what he's done. But for the 3% of you who feel the need to just crap on the guy and take it away from him because, well, he just lucked into this situation. He's got this elite quarterback and no other competition at wide receiver, so obviously the ball just magically floats to him in the end zone. And defenders fall on their faces and worship as he walks into the end zone. That's obviously how that happens and how you get touchdowns in Green Bay is stupid, to say the least. Um, I do really want to get through some of these comments from Matt LaFleur and especially Aaron Rodgers, but I feel like that's going to require more time than what we have right now. And I know I said I was going to talk a little bit about the Bears, but I got a little long-winded. So tomorrow that will be 
That will be the thing we do. Here's a fun stat for you, though, since we'll just do some quick hitters to get out of here. Via Matt Schneidman. Christian Watson makes a shade over $2.3 million per year. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, I know from from an, a wide receiver NFL player perspective, it's like, dude, he's poor. This dude, very young man, making $2.3 million. That's a lot of money. The five wide receivers with more touchdown catches the entire season than Watson's Week 10 through Week 12 total, which is to say the only guys who have more touchdowns the entire year than he has in three weeks are Devontae Adams getting paid $28 million, Stephon Diggs $24 million, A.J. Brown $25 million, Christian Kirk $18 million, and Amari Cooper $20 million. $18 million is the lowest. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh. The other thing I love about the uh, Jordan Love touchdown to Watson is it, it's, it takes away from the whole, well, it's because of Rodgers, is it? It's because of Broken Thumb Guy and not because of Jordan Love, who came in in his first series through a touchdown pass. Okay, all right. Interesting theory that you just made up. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow or tonight if you want to check out Packing It Up the Dark. Uh, have a good one. Bye-bye.